Alright, we're in Psalm chapter 47. I want to look at just the first three verses. It says, O clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. And I want to preach today about staying sober but not somber in church. And I don't usually talk a whole lot about... Uh, you know, church service and how it's supposed to be. But I do believe that we need to be careful as God's people that, you know, we think about our testimony and what people think when they come into the house of God, when they come and they uh, participate with us in our worship to God. Uh, there's certain ways that we ought to act. There are certain messages that we should be sending and there are some messages that we shouldn't be sending, ways that we shouldn't act. And sometimes, you know, churches they have the wrong kind of attitude. We see here in this passage that God's people should be a people of praise and a people of triumph. There is a lot of Scripture in the Bible just dealing with praising God, commanding us to praise God. I mean, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. We're supposed to praise Him with the sound of the trumpet, praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. There should be some praising of God going on in church. And I don't believe we need to put on a, you know, charismatic spectacle and, you know, start acting like maniacs and things like that. You know, I do, uh, I do think that there is, um, you can cross some lines when it comes to these things, but we should be a people of triumph. People should never come into a church and just see people with a defeated, depressed attitude. That shouldn't be. We are people here today meeting together, supposedly because we're saved. That's a great triumph right there. The Bible says we're overcomers if we believe on Jesus Christ. So we should be acting defeated there. We're people who we claim we have eternal security. We know we're going to heaven. We're, we claim to be people who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. There's all these things that we claim and we believe, and I, and I believe we believe those things. I think we're sincere in those things, but we don't often give off that impression because we allow our flesh to take over. We allow the things that are of this world to influence us in a way that we're not supposed to in, uh, let influence us, and we come in with a bad spirit and a bad attitude, and that's not good. A church should be a place full of people who have an attitude of victory, kind of like that ball team after winning a championship. You don't expect to see them depressed. And when a team wins a World Series, they're excited, they're celebrating. Church should be a celebration. I don't, and again, I don't believe we should act like maniacs, but church shouldn't be depressing. And I want us to look at some things in 1 Corinthians 14. Go over and turn over to 1 Corinthians 14. Some things we should remember because we got, should, church is a serious thing. It's, it's a holy thing. You know, we are here because we want to hear from God. We want to meet with the Lord. And I do, I believe there's a seriousness they ought to take. I believe that we ought to be sober. We're going to look at some references on that. But we don't have to be somber. I don't think this ought to be a place where we take everything so serious that we just are looking at everybody every time a noise is made and, you know, just kind of giving people the stink eye. You know, if their kids being a little fidgety and noisy in church and all that kind of stuff. You know, we do have liberty in Christ. And so, uh, you know, there's some preachers out there, too, that they preach in a way like, you know, you got to be super careful because if we don't do everything just right. We're going to scare the Holy Spirit right out of our service and God's not going to do nothing. And it's just like, again, I don't want us to have a careless attitude. I don't want, I, you know, when it comes to the things of God, I want there to be a seriousness, but you can't, you can take it too far. 
And we got to watch out for that. I know the last thing we want to do is be driving people away from our church because we're making such a big deal about the seriousness that people are afraid to bring their kids to church because they don't want people not getting saved because their kids started to act up in church and quench the spirit. I don't think that's, I don't, I don't want to have that attitude in this church either. So let's look at some things. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22, it says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Therefore, the, uh, if therefore the whole congregation be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. And then he ends the chapter saying, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, what's he saying right here? Well, we should take into consideration what a lost person might think when they, when they show up for church. We, need a, we want to have a good testimony in our services. And so if there's things that we can do to, you know, show, uh, you know, to, ha- to have a good testimony, to have the right attitude. That's important. Again, there's a time to cry. There's a time to be sad. But again, you know, if people come in to visit this church and everybody's just having that bad day, having a bad attitude, and we're just making it known, that's going to kind of put a damper on things for some people. If a visitor comes in, even, an, even a new Christian, we got to watch out for that. Here in this passage too, He's talking about, he talks about tongues and, and we all understand what tongues really are, but he's getting onto this church because everybody, here was the problem they had. Everyone was coming into the service with their own agenda. There was no structure to the service. They didn't have anyone just kind of overseeing things and, you know, having, having an order of service. Cause notice what it says that, uh, it talks about everyone coming with the psalm and with the prophecy and all these different things, that's not how we should come to church. You know, if everybody comes here and is like, well, you know what? I really wanted to sing, you know, Victory in Jesus today. And then one person singing Victory in Jesus, another person singing Amazing Grace. and another. You can't do that. You know, you, you know well, I, I was really hoping to hear a sermon on this day. I, you know, if everybody came prepared with a sermon, do you really want to have a church where we just don't have any kind of structure and just... We don't have any, you know, nobody knows who's going to preach. Nobody knows who's going to lead the singing and do the music. And everybody's just kind of coming with their own agenda. You know what? That's chaos. And that's going to, ca- that's going to cause problems. And you know, one of the things that we all are supposed to do as a church, we're supposed to have unity. But a lot of times, while churches for, you know, his, you know for a long time now, you know, we've all kind of, Paul nipped a lot of these things in the bud early on. Most churches have an order of service. Everybody knows who's preaching. You have different people in charge of things. But in principle, where we can violate this passage right here is when everybody kind of comes with their own attitude. Everybody comes. You know, it's like, I'm having a bad day. I'm making sure everybody else has a bad day too. You know, this is how I feel. I want everybody else to feel this way too. 
This is what I like in a service. This is what I'm going to push for in a service. That's not how things are supposed to be. We should, we should, all, we should be ready to be united. And we, we do. We welcome lost people to come in, to sit, to listen, to observe. But understand what we do in a church, it's not for them. It's for the believers. But we also do want to have a good testimony. Another thing we see, turn over to John chapter 16. And so when it comes to our church services, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit, He will not excite us about something that's not biblical. And one of the things I've noticed, because I don't like making rules about what a person can do when they're excited in church. How loud can you amen? You know, are you allowed to stand up? Are you allowed to raise your hands? Are you allowed to run a glory lap? You know, all these different things, okay? And I, I personally think there's a time and place for a lot of that stuff. Okay? I, I really do. I'm not, I'm not prepared to condemn it. I, I think as long as it's sincere, I think as long as it's from the heart, I think if it is led of the Holy Spirit, then it's okay. But at the same time, we've all probably seen things before where like that crossed the line. Okay? A lot of you have probably seen the video where the guy ran to the front, did a somersault on the platform, not here, and then jumped in the baptistry. I think he crossed the line. Okay? I, I, I think he crossed the line. Now, and, and I've got a lot of examples I could show you of things where I believe people have crossed a line. And let me tell you something. In most of those cases, when I, if it's a, if it's a video I've seen, or even if I've been in a service where things got out of line, the things that people were running around and getting excited about were things that weren't even biblical. I find that interesting. It's usually when unbiblical things are being preached that people get the craziest. Some of the most famous videos that are out there that have gone viral of things getting out of hand in independent fundamental Baptist churches, the stuff that was being preached was nonsense. And you know what that tells me? They crossed the line. That wasn't decently in order. That wasn't of the Holy Spirit. That's why, again, I, I enjoy watching people run glory laps, but I don't really want people doing it here. You know, I enjoyed watching the guy do the somersault in the video and jump in the baptistry. That was entertaining. I don't want anybody to do that here. <laughs> I, I don't think that's led of the Holy Spirit. And in this, in that one situation too, uh, you know, and, and I'm not, I don't pick on these people, but that when the guy jumped in the baptistry, he was singing, a pre-trib song, when tribulation enters, I'll be gone. That, that, that's what the song is. I don't believe that's biblical. But when he was singing that, people were running laps, and a guy jumped in a baptistry. So that, and I, I get it. A lot of good people believe that doctrine is true. I don't. All I know, I, I believe it's wrong. I think I can prove it's wrong. And I saw people running glory laps and jumping in baptistries during an unbiblical song. So you know what that tells me? That wasn't the Holy Spirit. And I could, I, could, I, I could give a lot of examples of crazy things I've seen in some of these meetings on some of the videos and the stuff people were preaching was not biblical. That tells me it's not of God. And look what it says in John chapter 16, verse 12. It says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth is come, He will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Holy Spirit leads people to truth. That's what he leads people to. 
the Holy Spirit is not going to lead people when something that is not true is being preached, is being sung, to act like maniacs. He's not going to do that. Now, again, if you convince me that it's appropriate to run laps, do somersaults, jump in the baptistry when you're excited, if you convince me that that is, that the Holy Spirit can lead people into doing that, I will tell you, promise you, He will never lead anybody to do that when something unbiblical is being proclaimed. And again, the situations that I see, it's always unbiblical stuff that's being pushed. So I, I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit, He's not going to excite about something that's not biblical, but if the Holy Spirit excites you about something, you know what, it's okay for you to go ahead and be excited. You know, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in these things. The Holy Spirit will get you excited about things, but it doesn't mean it'll make you act like a maniac. Because again, there ought to be an order to our service. There ought to be some sobriety in our behavior. But again, I don't believe the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to just be somber and just act. You know, I don't believe our song service needs to sound like a Gregorian chant. You know, I don't think we need to act like monks or anything like that. I think it's okay for us to just have a little bit of personality and be excited. I don't think that's wrong. I believe there should be some organization to how our services are run. You know, let all things be done decently and in order. There ought to be order to our service. Sometimes the, the Holy Spirit might lead us to do things a little different, change up the order of service or something like that. I think it's fine. People, there's some churches, they don't believe in having bulletins and an order of service because you're just programming the Holy Spirit right out of the service. Well, hey, you know what? I mean, we put this stuff in here to help people know things, but if we want to change something here, we can change things in the middle of service and nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care. There have been many times I'm like, you know what? Let's not, you know, let's not do things in that order. You know, it, these are dumb things people say. But it's not wrong to have some order to what we do. And let me tell you something, too. Again, I study preaching. I study preaching. And a lot when I've been to these churches that have that mentality, no program, because you're just, you know, uh, you're, you're basically scheduling the, service, the Holy Spirit right out of the service. Those same preachers typically are, don't have outlines. Okay? Now, do you have to have an outline to preach? Of course not. You don't have to have an outline to preach. But I think the real reason they don't have an outline is because they didn't do any study or preparation. And I'm listening to their preaching, and it sounds like they're shooting from the hip. I can tell when a preacher is just shooting from the hip. I don't think he did any study before that. I, there's one preacher I know. He's a holy, he, he calls himself a Holy Ghost preacher. He's, he's a Baptist preacher. calls himself a Holy Ghost preacher. And basically... What that means is he doesn't know what he's going to preach until he gets up there. And he'll just kind of go to a scripture and he'll just start, he'll just start reading something. Uh, right here, my Bible just happens to be open to Ecclesiastes 10. It says, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. There's some stinking stuff in this church right now. Some of y'all need to get right with God. You know, and I, you know, I, I already have like an agenda. You know, I'm wanting to nail people for something I don't like. I don't like the music y'all are listening to. That's why I've got stinking safer in here. Some y'all are listening to the wrong music on the way to church. I heard Garth Brooks playing out in the parking lot before. I, I didn't hear that, but you know, they'll and they'll they'll tie that verse <laughs> into that, and then they'll act like they're being led of the Holy Ghost. And it's just, I, I think that I personally just think that's lazy. I think that's lazy preaching, and I could do, and I, I don't want to sound blasphemous, I, I, you know, but 
I could do that kind of preaching. I don't want to call it Holy Ghost preaching. But if you all ever wanted me to, I could. I could just get up and shoot from the hip, camp meeting style, preach a sermon. And I'll bet I could get you all fired up. I'll bet you all would enjoy some of it. I, 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 I think I could do that. And, and I've been half tempted to before, but I'm, I'm a little nervous about doing that. Because again, we want to be sober in church. We, and so I'm, I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to, you know, be sacrilegious. <laughs> and so, uh, but otherwise, I thought about doing it just to prove a point. Just to prove a point. But I'm afraid if I do it too good, I'll start getting invited to camp meetings to preach because they might like it. But we got to watch out. We should be sincere in our worship and not putting on a performance. It says in Matthew 6, 5 and 6, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut thy door, pray to the fa- thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. What, what was he complaining about their prayer? Their praying that they were doing was being done in a way to be seen of men. They were putting on a performance. They were not trying to get a hold of God. They were not interested in speaking to God and having God speak to them. They were interested in putting on a performance and putting on a show of people. And a lot of foolishness that's going on in churches today is foolish because people are doing things just to do them. And some churches, you know, they, I'm pretty sure they're running laps just because that's what, in their world, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. And who doesn't want the Holy Spirit to show up in a service? But they have associated the Holy Spirit showing up with people running laps, women screaming, crying, people coming to the altar and all that stuff. And so, I mean, again, who doesn't want the Holy Spirit to show up? Preacher said, don't you be quenching the Holy Spirit. You do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Okay, I'm sitting here right now. The Holy Spirit hasn't given me any official instruction, but he's saying Holy Spirit shows up when people are running glory laps and screaming. So I guess I'm just going to take off running. And so what do they do? They start singing it's under the blood. And then as soon as it gets to the chorus, everybody bolts. And I've watched that done so many times. When I hear that song, I almost want to take off running. Just because it's like we've, it's, been program, it's been programmed into me. That when, when you get to the chorus of it's under the blood, you're supposed to run a glory lap. And, it's, and, and I know some of you want to see me do that sometime. But uh, here, here's the problem with that. You know, some of that is, it's just foolishness and people are doing it just to do it. I, I worry about the guy that's, you know, running glory laps in the service. And then, you know, when he goes home that night, you know, he's watching trash and looking at porn and smoking pot. And there's a lot of people doing that stuff. I don't think it's sincere. And let's, we're not, and we're not supposed to copy the, just copy the world's methods of things. Now, when, I, when Pastor Obi was here, I was talking to him about it, and he was talking about in Nigeria, a lot of the tribes out there, they have things they do when they get excited where everybody starts yelling and stuff, and they start running around these fires and things. And it's interesting because you know where a lot of the glory lap stuff comes from? It's in America, it comes from the South. Well, you know where the South got it? They got it from the slaves that they brought over from Africa. That was something that they did. And he was explaining kind of how they how they do that stuff over there. And it's, it's the same thing. And you know what it is? It's a cultural thing down there for them to do that. But understand, they kind of stole some of that stuff from the heathens. 
They really, and Bible says in Matthew 6, 7, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions. Now, why? What's wrong with that? Well, listen to what he said. Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. That's why they were doing it. They, that's something they picked up from the heathen. That's something that the heathen cultures were doing. That was a practice that they had. For they think that they should be heard for their much speaking. Praying is not about what you say. It's not about how you say it. It's not about how many times you say it. It's about the faith that you have. That's what's effective in prayer. And we see in the Bible, people make some pretty lame prayers that had some pretty huge results. How about the thief on the cross who said, have mercy on me, or, or remember me when thou comes in thy kingdom. How about the publican when he went to the temple and said, have mercy upon me, a sinner. These were not impressive prayers, but they got the job done. You know why? Because they were from the heart and they came with faith. But Jesus, he's telling them, when you pray, don't be like the heathen. Don't use the vain repetitions. Don't just keep doing those things. They're doing these things for, uh, they're, 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 you know, they're for, to be seen of men. That's not what it's about. It says, Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask Him. So, saying things to God over and over and over again isn't going to help. He already knows what you need. But He does want us to ask. So, why do we have to ask? And, you know, like the heathen and just do vain repetitions. It's empty. There's nothing to it. That is a heathen practice. And we do not need to be copying the world's methods. And let me tell you, our heathen culture has a lot of real weird issues and things. And we've got a lot of churches copying off our heathen culture when it comes to the music they use, when it comes to just the, just their services. I mean, what is with this nightclub look in churches? Why are people doing that? You know why? Typically because they're about to watch the pastor get up and do a stand-up comedy routine, you know, like they do in the comedy clubs. And that's why it looks like a nightclub. They get up there, they sit in their little bistro table, you know, holding their microphone, cracking their jokes. It's like they're having a, conver- you know, having a conversation at a coffee shop. Well, are you legalist saying that you have to have a pulpit? I'm not, I'm not saying you have to do these things. I'm just asking, why are you doing the things that you're doing? And I believe people are copying off the heathen and the world's methods. We're not supposed to do that. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. Another thing, you know, when it comes to how we do things in church, we should not be doing things in a way to glorify the flesh. It says, but God hath chosen, verse 27, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say here. I believe when it comes to whatever it is we do for the Lord, whether it be our singing, whether it be our preaching, whatever it is that we are doing, we ought to do the very best job that we could possibly do. We ought to put effort into it. If, if, you know, we ought to try to do a good job. But at the same time, it's not about putting on a performance. It's about glorifying the Lord. And you know what? And I, I, I can't fully articulate how this is done, but I think we all know it when we see it. But you know, when somebody's praising the Lord with singing, you can tell that person who is singing from the heart, who is singing with love for God, 
and you know, making a joyful noise and putting their all into it. You know, there's people like that. They are not that good of singers, but they will bless your hearts when they sing because they are clearly doing the best they can with a real love for the Lord. But then there's other people that are really talented and they're not even really trying. They might have a great voice. They're very talented singers, but there's no praise in what they're doing. I don't know how to articulate what that looks like exactly, but I think we've all seen it before. That person who in the service, they might sing a little off key, but boy, there's a spirit that comes with their singing. They're singing with triumph. They're singing with real joy. I like being around that kind of singing. I like going to a church. I like a church where people sing really good. But, you know, I've been in some of these snobby churches before where the people sing real good. They got perfect four-part harmony, but I'm just not feeling the love for God. I feel the people, I'm feeling the people going through the motions. And I've been to other churches before where people, they're a little off-key. They don't have four-part harmony, but, boy, they are singing from the heart like they love the Lord. You know what? That's moving. That's effective. We ought to be doing that in our services. You ought to do your best you can, and you need to understand you can contribute. And so you ought to, when you come to church, you ought to come to church. And when it comes to the singing, the things that we all participate in, you ought to be giving your all. Not so people will be impressed. Like, man, people are going to hear me singing in the pews, and their pastor's going to be asking me to sing a special because I'm going to sound so good. No, that's not what it's about. But you ought to come because, like, hey, we're here to praise the Lord. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to make a joyful noise. I don't want to be in a dead church. I don't want to be in a church where everybody's miserable and just going through the motions. And you ought to come with a heart ready to sing, ready to give it all to God. Whatever you, and whatever you got to do to help yourself out. Maybe you need to listen to some songs on the way to church to get you fired up. Stop listening to talk radio. Stop listening to news and getting depressed. Get you some good music that gets you in the right mood and the right spirit. And come and sing your heart out for God. These are good things. You know, the charismatics, they're all about getting everyone's hands in the air. But you know what? One of their problems, they're not about holy living. And understand, one of the best things you can do to prepare yourself for church is to be doing right during the week. You, if you think you're just going to just turn on spirituality when you walk into this church, you've got another thing coming. And it's not going to happen. And folks, our community, the visitors that come to this church, they need to come into a place where they're spiritual people making a joyful noise where the Holy Spirit's moving and you're not just going to be able to turn that on at the drop of a hat. It says in 1 Timothy 2.8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Again, people are real, you know, some churches are real good at getting people lifting their hands in the air, but are they holy? You know, are these hands that have been doing wickedness during the week or these people who have been living for the Lord? Hopefully you think about God they're all week, not just when you come to church. But you know, the truth is, if you're meditating on the things of God, if you're thinking about God, if you're, if you're singing the songs, if you're praying, if you're doing all these things during the week, church is only going to be that much more exciting because during the week, you're going to be doing it by yourself a lot. Especially if you're thinking about the things of God at work when you're around all the evil and the cussing and all that kind of stuff. But then you come to church and where everybody's focused is right, it's just going to be that much more exciting for you. But again, most people, they're not thinking about this stuff during the week. So we've got to make sure uh, we, we have these things right. We need to make sure in our churches. And ladies, I'm not picking on you. We love the ladies in our church. They're a blessing. But did you know women aren't to lead the service? They're not the ones leading things. You want, you know, and I've heard preachers say this. 
You know who usually kicks things off when the Holy Spirit starts moving? It's usually the ladies. And, and listen, first off, that's a problem. Why aren't the men leading? Second off, I know why they think that because what they think a moving of the Holy Ghost is is getting everybody emotional. And guess who it's easy is to get emotional? Ladies. If I want to get everybody crying, you know, I will succeed in getting the ladies to cry first. That's it. And that's just typically how we are. Women are more emotional than men. And so but, so, but the thing is, are women supposed to be setting the tone? Are they the ones that are supposed to be leading things in the service? The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, 9, in like manner, also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but that which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she should be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So notice, in the beginning of that passage, at the end, it mentions sobriety for the ladies. They're not supposed to be dressing in ways that are drawing attention to themselves. They're supposed to be adorned in modest apparel. They're not to take over the service. They're supposed to be in silence. And again, if we are working for emotional highs, then it would probably work better to put the ladies in charge. But you know what? That's not what we're here for. That's not what we're supposed to do. That's not what a moving of the Holy Spirit is. And so you know what? We've got to make sure we stick with what the Bible says. And, there's, and, la- and ladies are supposed to uh, learn in silence and in subjection with modesty. Bible te- that's what the Bible teaches. And so that sobriety, it's very important. The Bible says there's a lot of calls for men to be sober. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, uh, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Verse 8, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. There needs to be a seriousness to what we do. And we can be serious without being somber. We can be serious without it being boring, without it being depressing. But I do, I believe it's up to men to lead in these areas. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, 2, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. It says in uh, verse 11, even so must their wives be grave, not slanders, sober, faithful in all things. And we could go on, the Bible says the aged men, like Brother Cletus, says that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience. There ought to be a seriousness. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm glad Brother Cletus isn't in here like doing cartwheels during the service. And, you know, we're actually that'd be impressive. You know, 86, if he, you know, <laughs> if he did that. But no, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, there is there ought to be a seriousness. There ought to be a maturity to what we do. But there, there needs to be a strength. There needs to be a structure. There should be some confidence. There should be a victorious attitude. We should be a people of strength. There's, there's so many things that we could talk about in this area. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So we are called to be sober, but we should not 
be somber. It says in Hebrews 12.3, For consider him which endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And have ye forgotten that exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, then, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, now what's he doing right here? We're all real familiar with what I just read because it's a reminder that God deals with his children. God is going to punish us when we transgress against him, when we sin. But the whole point of what he's saying right here, when he's bringing up all this chastening, he had started out telling us, consider him. Talking about Jesus, who endured such contradiction of sinners. Remember what Jesus went through, lest he be weary and faint in your minds. Sadly, many saved people today, they, have, they are fainting in their minds. You want to know why a lot of churches are compromising? Why they're giving up on certain stands? Because they're fainting in their minds. They have not resisted unto blood. Hey, there's, a, there's a lot of persecution going on of churches out there today just for speaking the truth on certain issues, but it hasn't really got physical, that physical yet in most places. There's, there's definitely exceptions. But yet many churches have backed down on preaching certain truths. You know why? Because they fainted in their minds. They've let the fear of man bring that snare. It's trapped them and it stopped them. And as a result of that, when we start doing wrong, God's going to deal with us. He's warning us not to go against God and not to let things cause us to faint in our minds. And then look what he says in verse 9. It says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the fathers of spirits and live? For they fairly for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. God lets us go through things sometimes. Why? For our profit. To make us better. To make us more like Him. So verse 11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Anybody like when God's dealing with you? Listen, God is going, sometimes God's going to punish us. Sometimes God's just going to put us through trials and temptations to make us better. Like Job. Hey, what did Job do wrong? Nothing. But yet, he went through some stuff. But you know, what did he say? But he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Anything that God does, whether it's chastising us, whether it's putting us through trials and temptations, all those things are going to make us better. As a church, we have had, and we are going to continue to have, battles. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to go through times of discouragement. We're going to go through times where God might be trying to shake us up where God might be trying to fix something in us. And it's not going to be pleasant when that kind of thing is going on. But most of the time, especially in church, whenever there's some kind of challenge, whenever there's some kind of difficulty, you know what we do? We go into disobedience 
And we kind of start getting a negative attitude. We start letting it affect us negatively. We let it steal our joy. We let it affect our praise. We let it affect our service. And we're not supposed to be that way. And I get it. It's not pleasant. But if we had faith, we would understand, hey, God's doing something that's going to produce something. And so in verse 12, look what he says. So considering all these things, even though chastening isn't pleasant while it's going on, it says, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. You know how many people are in churches today when you go into a lot of churches? They are. Their hands are hanging down. They have feeble knees like this. Okay? Now, nobody's physically walking around like this, but your, your kids do that all the time, don't they? Have you ever told your kids, you know, you can't have ice cream or something? Okay, when you tell your kids something they don't want to hear, you know what they never do? Your kids ever done that before? Hey, you're getting spanked. That's not what they do. It's, that's exactly what he's talking about right here in Hebrews. And that's what we often do. Now listen. Okay, parents, what do you what do you tell your kids? Hey, this is for your own good. Okay, you're not you're not disciplining your children because you hate them. You're disciplining them because you love them. We understand that discipline it produces good things in our children. And so if our kids had faith, okay, now, th- now think about this. Okay, I- I'm not trying to be funny. This is true. But if our kids, if our kids had faith, when we spank them, they'd be happy. <laughs> okay, now again, I'm not expecting any of my children, when I tell, next time I tell them you're getting spanked, to be like, you know, wonderful. Okay, I, I never did that one time growing up. I never did it one time. Okay, but those of us who are adults, those of us who are mature Christians, what if we had the faith to have that attitude? What if we had the faith that when God is dealing with us, that we actually let it excite us? It's like, hey, this stinks, this hurts, but it's going to produce something. So I don't know. Hey, we can do that. What, you know, what about you know, these gym rats, you know, these, these muscle head guys? You know, they, do, they love the pain. Why? Because that's, that's what's going to build the muscle. You know, that's how you get the gains. You know, you need a hurt. You need the pain. And they, do, they get excited about pain. Right? That's weird. Okay, but you know, they, that, 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 that's how the people that are really serious are. We should be the same way. If we're going through something, even if we're going through trials, if we're going through difficulties, if we're dealing with pain, you know, if we really were as hardcore of a Christian as we act like we are, we get excited about it. That's, that's what we do. But most of us, it's, that, that, that's our attitude. And right here, the writer of Hebrews is telling them, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And you know what? Most Christians, when they're going, and everybody's going to be going through some difficulties. Everybody deals with trials. Everybody has problems in their life. But I'm telling you as a Christian, I'm telling you as, as a church, we need to make sure we have a victorious attitude. And if we're just limping through our Christianity like our kids do, that's exactly how your kids act when you're, they're being forced into doing something that they don't want to do. You know what? If, if, if we're going to have that attitude, we're going to have a bad testimony. And when, what we need to do is even when we're going through something, we ought to lift up the hands. We ought to make straight our paths. We're not going to act like a kid limping around and staggering around like they're dying or something like that because we're not. We're not. God's doing something. God's going to accomplish something. 
and we ought to have confidence. And I say all this, to, church should be a victorious place. Church should be a happy place. Christians shouldn't walk around with a defeated attitude. We shouldn't even look defeated. We are saved. We're saved. We are children of God. We are sons of God. We ought to, we ought to act like it. We ought to operate like it. We ought to have a victorious attitude. And so back to Psalm 47, where we started. Let's look at that again. Look what it says. It says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. What do you, you know, that, that's something you do when you're excited. I mean, little kids, babies. What do babies do when they get excited? You know, they, they, they clap. You, know, you bring out food. You know, they clap. We should be excited about the things of God. We should, we should be, uh, you know, we should have a voice of triumph. And that, it's important too, when you're, when we're out soul winning, you know, there ought to be a confidence in the message that we're bringing people. And not even just when you're soul winning, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to our daily life, we should always be a witness to people. When it comes to your coworkers and that, and you know, what, what, what is your testimony to them? Are you a defeated individual? Are you somebody who's just always down, discouraged, and depressed? And I've known pastors that are like this. That are they're just the most dep- some some pastors are the most depressing people you'll ever meet. And and their churches are the same way. And it's just like I can't imagine going to a church like that. How would you like to have Eeyore as a pastor? And I know some pastor Eeyores. I really do. That are that have that attitude. That is not the way we should be. As Christians, that is not the attitude we have in church. We shouldn't have a proud attitude. We shouldn't have an arrogant attitude. But we ought to have confidence. We ought to have joy. It says, for the Lord Most High is terrible. And that, that, that sounds kind of weird to us. Usually when we, you know, we tell our kids they're terrible, you know, that we usually use that word in a very negative way. But this is just talking about, you know, just his, you know, his strength. I mean, he is, he is a terrible God in the sense that you don't want to get on his bad side. Because he is powerful and it says he is a great king over the, all of the earth. He shall subdue the people under us. Okay? God is only terrible if you're on his bad side. Because he always is going to get victory. He always is going to defeat his enemies. And, and he says he shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. God, because he is a terrible God, he is always going to be victorious. He will subdue all things under our feet. And so we ought to operate with that confidence. We talked about it a little bit in Sunday school. When it comes to people that are enemies of us, people that hate what we believe, they hate the things that we stand for, God is going to subdue, subdue them under our feet. So, you know, we're not going to be scared of them. We shouldn't have an attitude of, of being scared. I, when my preaching, I shouldn't be getting up and, you know, spending 20 minutes apologizing for what I'm about to say. I don't need, I, we don't need to do that. No, the Word of God is true. God's right. The world's wrong. Here's what the Bible says. That needs to be the, that, that ought to be the way we preach. Our response to it, when you hear the preaching of the Word of God, it's been proven in the Scriptures, our, pro, our response should be, Amen. The Lord is right. God's Word is true. We're going to follow these things. And being, being saved, it means you are an overcomer through Christ. And it is a shame for people who have the Holy Spirit and who are overcomers to, to have a defeated mood and attitude. That's a bad testimony. That's not, that's not what we have in Christ. We have victory. And I understand every one of us are going to have bad weeks and weeks where we need to be lifted up. 
But overall, church, church services should be a joyful thing and joyful in a way that causes others to get excited. There, there's going to be a week where people are going to need to help you lift your hands up because you're not feeling it. But you need to remember that too, that, there, that sometimes people are going to need you to lift their hands up. They're going to need you to help lift them up and keep excited. But overall, again, listen, if, you're, if your dog just died last night and your mother-in-law came to visit and things like that, you know, I don't expect you to be in you know, a super chipper mood, uh, you know, that service. But at the same time, too, that's what the rest of us are here for. You know, so we can tell you about our mother-in-law that's even worse and, you know, and just, you know, encourage you in those things, <laughs> encourage you in those things. And I, I'm, I'm kind of joking right there. But, you know, we, we all are going to need that. And overall, this should be an exciting place. This should be a place where people who are down are wanting to come to because they know this is, I'm going to get lifted up if I go there. And the church needs to be an exciting place. And we should, we should all work on trying to make church a more exciting place and to bring joy in this place. We don't want to turn it into a circus, but whatever you can do to make it a happier place. So maybe, you know, if you, you know, just maybe sing a little louder, smile a little bit more, say hi to a few more people, make it a point to shake people's hands, do these things. That needs to be the testimony. We are victorious people. We have the truth of the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We are going to heaven. And it's, and it's high time we act like it. That we show it. And we, we live the testimony, you know, a testimony that reflects what's on, our, what's on the inside. And I believe if we do that, God will bless and use us greatly. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. I thank you so much for your word and i'm thankful lord for all the things that we do have to be thankful for and excited about and i pray you'll help us not to get distracted with all the negative that's out there and there is a lot of negative out there lord but you'll help us to stay focused on things that are right and you'll help us to be victorious and help us to uh be a light and an example in this community and i pray we'll be a place where people are going to want to come because they'll know they'll be lifted up here in your name we pray amen